you're seeing that this is a generation that's a little bit different. And I think the cynical view would just be they're not growing up, they're lazy, you know, they're undefined. But I, I'm not, I don't quite see it that way. I don't see this as a failure to launch generation. In fact, I really dislike that term. This generation hasn't been defined by at certain times you do certain things, you know, that the norms that used to be you go to college and then you go to four years of college, you immediately get a job, hopefully get married, have your first kid, do these things. That it's, that's not important to this generation, generally speaking. You see very little of that. Welcome. I'm your host, Nicholas Strauss, and you're listening to The Participant Observer, a space where you become aware, a place where you are the Participant Observer. Well, I'm sitting with Danny Conroy, and I noticed that one of your colleagues called you Dude. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, All yeah. Right. We, we 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 try to have some fun. We, <laughs> well, it's not the most formal situation. It's probably from working with young adults for long enough that uh, it's a way for me to never have to really completely grow up. I guess that's another way of looking at it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, I think that would make you a, a good spokesperson for the uh, millennial generation then because actually one of the defining traits of the millennial generation seems to be this aspect of not growing up. Now, I don't like looking at it in a negative way, so I I get a little bit of reaction using the word not, but in a way that does depict it. There's a certain not growing up that's going on for a number of reasons, right? Mm -hmm. Political, Mm -hmm. economical. It's complicated. I think during the time that this generation has come to age, more research on the brain has been done. They're seeing that the brain is developing to 25, 26 years old. Some say that the way the brain's growing even in the 20s is, in some cases, as rapid as the development in early childhood. So we're learning more about the brain and we're learning more about young adulthood all the time. And this is the first generation, when you think about it, that hasn't had a lot of the decisions made for them in terms of what the path should look like. Right. And by the way, I just should add, we keep referring to the millennial generation and, and the generation. Yeah. Last I looked, Wikipedia defined this generation as being born between 1982 and 2004, something along those lines. Yeah. There are a lot of other uh, right. uh, factors, but just to give people a sense of what age group we're talking about, that those are the years that the people would be born. Yeah. Generally, people go, it's uh, boomers, Xers, and then millennial. You right. know? And I guess there's a Y in there someplace, but there's I'm not a, sure yeah. exactly where that's at. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Or maybe it just didn't take hold. It seems like Time Magazine is the one that defines these things. But yeah, you know, the millennial generation, I think, has a lot of misperceptions. I think part of it is, yes, they're slower to develop careers or commitments. They're definitely later to marry. We see that. They're not generally attached to a particular religion. They don't have as many traditions that are that are bound to them. And they either stay in school for a long time or bounce around to a lot of different jobs. More of them live at home and go back and live at home than any generation previous. And when you look at some of the reasons why, I mean, I think we, you know, we did have a huge economic downturn that happened. Uh, what was it? 2008. Eight. Right. And so this is just the time that some of these, a lot of these kids were going to college and some of them coming out of college. Uh, the student debt got enormous for a lot of people, and it was too difficult to actually go out and rent a place and do stuff. I think more importantly, this is a generation that the studies are showing, and then also through my own personal experience working with them, meaning of their life is far more important to them than the stature or the amount of money that they're going to make. And so, and obviously we're speaking in general terms, right? but millennials today, you know, 
73% in a study that I read recently said they'd rather have a meaningful job and something they feel connected to for $40,000 a year than another job for $100,000 a year. This concept of meaning, this concept of connection, this concept of making a difference seems to be coming up again and again when people take a closer look at the career choices of millennials, for example, and the things that they buy into and don't buy into. So I think when you really look at the big picture of the economic factors and you look at this sort of connection to meaning that's going on, it gives a little bit broader definition and the research that we're seeing on the brain and that it's still developing, et cetera. You're seeing that this is a generation that's a little bit different. And I think the cynical view would just be they're not growing up, they're lazy, you know, they're undefined. But I, I'm not, I don't quite see it that way. I don't see this as a failure to launch generation. In fact, I really dislike that term. I do too. I'm really glad you said that. I just don't understand why we got locked into using such a negative term for so long. The, there is the idea of, just to use the word launch uh, for this idea, of someone finally leaving their home, perhaps starting their own family, career, uh, the, the word launch perhaps encapsulates that in a good way. What should parents be helping adolescents or millennial generation launch? Mm -hmm. And uh, how? How can they help them? One of the key ways that they can help them is to listen to them and do their best to understand where some of their unique interests lie and what speaks to them that may or may not speak to the parents. I hate to say like what not to do, but I think when we choose our path for our kids because every generation before did this, like I think traditions can be really great. But when it comes to choosing a college for our kids and p applying you know, subtle pressures upon them when they may in fact have interest in another area that speak to them, I highly encourage leaning more towards the areas that speak to your kid, you know, because there's a there's a backlash from that kind of over controlling part. And when we're seeing that a lot, you know, a lot of helicopter parenting, a lot of, you know, uh, you know people have said that sort of my generation of parents and I have a 17 year old now, so I'm kind of coming up on that whatever launch period, later adolescence, whatever. You know, it's difficult because you want to be, you so much want to be everything that your parents weren't. And and the boomer generation, again, I'm generalizing, were more, hey, you know, do whatever you want. It's cool, you know. And and then our generation has kind of been like, I'm taking them to play group and then this group and that group and this specialist and that. So it becomes more difficult to let go appropriately and not choose their path from and allow there to be a healthy amount of tension in that choice. You know, my son's choosing colleges right now and he's been all over the map. He's gone in a couple of different directions and I'm, I'm trying to provide some guardrails. Obviously, if there's a, something we can't afford or something that's kind of out of the question, we kind of maybe a little bit of a guardrail or, you know, um, I want to, if, if the option was, I just want to stay home and do nothing, that's not an option. But so there's some guardrails in terms of this path and, but speaking more to his interest in addition to what the academic interest might be, you know? And so when you're looking at schools, for example, or looking at vocational programs or creative accelerators or gap years or any of these things to allow there to be a little bit of space and flexibility in that choice. Because usually I find that kids make pretty informed decisions if they're given a wide variety of them, not too much, but given enough to be able to let their voice be heard and shared and negotiated with their families. So that's really sound parenting advice. It's not just for the millennial generation. It's not just for necessarily the time of launching. But I really think uh, very wise to be paying attention to your children's uh, heart. Yeah, yeah. 
And they, our kids want to please us until they don't want to please us and individuate, but they want to please us a lot of the time. And I've, I've seen kids kind of cave in and my children will even have that tendency sometimes of, well, I think this is making dad happy. Well, is it making you happy? And is it something that you enjoy um, when it comes to recreational activities or sports or things like that? This is also a generation that's come of age in the digital age. Social media has been running rampant. Their way of connecting with people is different. So it's it's interesting. Well, it, it is interesting. Everything you've said is is really fascinating. But something particularly caught my attention right now was almost what seems like a contradiction, which is you say the generation is very interested in meaning, possibly purpose and connection, you said before. But now at the same time, we're looking at the ways that they connect. Mm -hmm. You've transitioned to speaking about the different ways they connect in the digital world Mm -hmm. and a lack of connection. It gets confusing, and I think that's why there are varying opinions about the way that this generation communicates, whether it's through social media or other means, and what they do in their pastime. I think it's almost as if we are watching from above and wondering about this strange behavior. We can't quite make sense of what it really means. Yeah. I think probably similarly to, in certain ways to how other generations used, looked at the telephone when it first came out. And we don't ever talk, I imagine the conversations, you know, where we never talk in person anymore. Everybody's just talking on these telephones that were attached to walls. And, and I remember the complaint even when I was growing up when, when there weren't cell phones, I spent too much time on the phone with my girlfriend or my friends or whoever, right? So I think every generation has some of that, but there's no doubt about it that this generation in particular, I mean, you can live a virtual life, you know, Um, you can live a virtual life online, you can have friends online, you can play games online, you can do, you can go to school online, you don't have to talk to anybody to buy a plane ticket, you can do everything online. So they've grown up and, you know, with this at their fingertips. And I think from a relational point of view, there's some definite disadvantages to that. I think there's a lack of connection in interpersonal relationships in terms of looking at people in the eye, understanding affect. But I also think it's a more informed generation than we've ever seen before. They have, for all the reasons we mentioned before, they have access to information. Um, I've studied with my children or tried to help my children study would be a better way of putting it. And I'm amazed at how easy it is to do research today, right? You know, so you put in Google, you get everything spit right out to you in a second. The stuff that, you know, I had to go to the library and kind of look up and maybe see the librarian there and talk to them or ask for somebody's help or guidance. That that card catalog. The card catalog, the Dewey Decimal System that we never needed to know. So they have it easier in certain ways, more information. The fact that people say they're non-relational, that's generally not true. It's just the relationships are very, very different. And a lot of them, you know, you you see a lot of texting, you see a lot of things. So it's really easy to cast all that away and just put a judgment on it. I think instead it's unknown. I think what you said is really great. It's unknown to us. So it's different and it looks a little bit different. And over time, I think they're going to figure it out. I just think people are going to be coming of age. This idea of adolescence is going to continue to be extended somewhat. And it makes sense when you think about people are living longer. We know more about it. This generation hasn't been defined by you know, at certain times you do certain things, you know, that the norms that used to be, you go to college and then you go to four years of college, you immediately get a job, hopefully get married, have your first kid, do these things. That it's, that's not important to this generation, generally speaking. You see very little of that. And I suppose there's a real challenge for the parents to, to adapt, right? Because, uh, they're coming from a different type of background in which those achievements that you just spoke about were, meant to be achieved at a certain time yeah and so they're looking at their child coming up and wondering 
hey, is something wrong? I mean, right. I, d- I doubt many parents are thinking about an evolutionary change going on. Right. No, they're they're thinking, um, shouldn't they be out of the house? Shouldn't this be happening? Shouldn't they have a job? Shouldn't they be more connected? But I mean, I've worked with, talked to, been friends with, um, you know, people who were valedictorians at Harvard and got out of Harvard uh, for a year and had no clue what to do. Um, were working other types of jobs in restaurants and so forth because they didn't have this connection. Now, they had the ability to go get hired anywhere. They're, they were recruited coming out of Harvard, you know, and, and jobs on Wall Street, jobs in different places. And, it, and, and for the people that I've known in this area, it, did, it didn't stick with them. They just didn't, they were not seduced into the traditional role. Well, you're making good money, now you're on the path and you're doing that. Again, this question of meaning comes up. Right? So what is it that I connect to? What is it that I feel like can make a difference? So that variable, and we're seeing that in the studies, that variable of meaning being important to the work, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see how this generation comes into the workplace eventually, what kinds of things they're going to be creating. They've got a lot of entrepreneurs already. You right. have a lot of these people running tech companies and doing things. So it's pretty easy to to put a, you know, one sort of foul swoop on it because they're not getting married as quickly, because they're not engaging in a career as quickly, that they're somehow behind. Time will tell. We'll see. How satisfying will their lives be? Will, are they going to be avoiding middle-age crises like other people have had and right. questioning their own identities? I don't know. I, I choose to look at it more positively, and I think that's what you're getting at, too. I think that they are adapting to the changes that that are happening to us as a, as a as a race yeah as the human race you know that our life expectancy is extending and on top of that uh, we are learning so much about parenting and so much about families and we are choosing to be parents at later ages all kinds of changes that are extending the life stages as they were and i think it's a positive i think why not go through it slower right we have one life I think you should take your time. Yeah, you know, some some people, I, I know some people, uh, and I'm 48 years old now, I know some people who followed a, a pretty linear path, four years college, got, you know, their degree, went on to their career of choice and seemed to be living happy lives. And I know a whole bunch of people who did a similar path like that, and they're in jobs that they don't like and aren't, don't feel connected to what they do and whose marriages have struggled. In other words, I just see the, I see the entire array in this human experience. So this idea that kind of, there's any indicator of how quickly you go through this period called the young adulthood and how quickly you quote unquote launch and your happiness for the rest of your life, I'm not buying it. I don't buy that as a direct correlative. You know? Let me ask you, you sound like you definitely understand this generation. Were you of this mind when you were coming up as a child? Was this natural to you or did you suddenly open your mind to it? Where did you come from? <laughs> oh, sure. Um, well, I was a... Uh, you know, I was a troubled kid. I bounced around quite a bit. Um, parents divorced at, a, at an early age. I went through my own uh, sense of some traumas and some different things growing up that were pretty challenging. Developed a drug problem when I was a teenager. Um, got into recovery at a pretty young age. Spent my first semester of college and uh, not doing much schoolwork and ended up in a rehab. <laughs> wow. So so that was kind of my background, you know, and 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 then, you know, put pieces of my life together and eventually went to the University of Colorado. And they've had some pretty, you know, I hopefully made some, you know, differences in people's lives since then and, and had some quote unquote success through establishing my own program, AIM House, 17 years ago. And we've, you know, worked with thousands of young adults who are kind of struggling to find footing. And, you know, I have four children of my own and, and a wife and two dogs. 
it seems like you identified with being lost a little bit. Oh, definitely. Is that so that's not oh. that's not negative? Yeah, no, no secret in my story. That's okay. not a negative at all. I, I was very lost and I I was pretty confused, um, particularly after high school and going into into college and was really ill prepared for that. Had very little life skills, really was not was not ready for that. I was intelligent enough to pull things off, but I I um I was pretty confused and, and acted out pretty much immediately when I left home. Right. I wonder where, where did the millennial generation uh, get guidance, right? Uh, if they're lost, mm -hmm. if they are not connecting as much in person, mm -hmm. how do they figure it out? It's a really good question. You know, I think they they connect with each other a lot more in terms of even even through internet connections. I mean, as crazy as that might sound to us, relationships with people online, a lot of the millennial you know, kids that I know have really close friends. They actually have friends that are, are close friends, share interests, like the same bands, you know. So you're not talking about friends as in Facebook friends. You mean real friends. Yeah, and they don't use Facebook. That's We use Facebook because the kids say, once my parents got on and my grandparents got on, I got off. Right. So they're, you know, they're using Snapchat. They're using Instagram. They're using Twitter. They're using other, other things. And and then some other areas which are, you know, interesting and sometimes concerning, like Tinder, for example, you know, which is pretty much a hookup site. So there's definitely dangers that this generation is exposed to and risk factors that they're exposed to that are completely different. There's also question marks about how much of all this digital stuff and being you know, learning on a computer and being raised in a digital age, how's that affecting the brain and, and what's going on? So I, I think that there's some really interesting questions that are out there. I just think when we lump the people in with that as a va overall value judgment, that's where we get into some trouble because we're no longer seeing them as people. We're sort of seeing them, you know, as, as objects in some ways. What I want to know is how do you view the influence of the technology that you see this, this generation using, it, it, the millennial generation in particular, in terms of shifting trends around marriage and education and work decisions? You did speak to me a little bit about the entrepreneurs that are coming onto the scene. Sure. But um, what else do you see? Well, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of the, the influence of the technology. It's a it's a big question mark. And I think the biggest disadvantage is that there's less time connecting with individuals. I think that's the great danger. You know, there's connection. I think people say there's no connection. No, there's connection, but it's it's not you can't get affect like you and I, we have headphones on right now and we're talking to each other, but I can see your face. And so, you know, we're, we're relating to one another versus right. if I'm just typing that or getting that somewhere else, I kind of create my own reality without respect to, so I'm not in relationship. There's not a negotiation. There's not a back and forth. That's the same way. Right. So I think that that does have an influence on relationship. I think it probably has some influence on the why relations, you know, not necessarily marriage later, but it's been a, it's been a generation that's tended to just kind of hook up more right. um, sexually and otherwise, and been, you know, later to get into long-term relationships, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing, but I wonder how much that influences it for sure. And then the other thing is, is I think so much information is coming at you so fast. There's so much coming at you so fast. Also, there's a ridiculous amount of choice. I think almost too many choices. 
I think the fact that there's so many choices, even just in the simple way, you know, what should I watch on, you know, can I watch something on Netflix? Should I watch it here? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I text over here? Can I do this? Um, should I order in food? I mean, all of this coming like right there, you know, I, I, I start to wonder, you know, is our, our delayed gratification skills, you know, being, and we're seeing that like a lot of kids who come into our program, for example, they're really impatient. Like it's very difficult. They're used to getting things in a push of a button. So there's not the sense that, you know, we need to wait in line to get into the venue to go to the basketball game. Like right. we wait here and you talk and you have a relationship or car rides can be incredibly boring quote unquote, if you're not on your device. So I definitely have concerns about that. And I have concerns about how much information is available to kids and other people at a young age, even as much as you try to safeguard it, it's all out there and available and it, and it comes at a pretty rapid pace. So I do wonder sometimes, given that there's so much choice, if that's actually making it more difficult for this generation to make choices. There's right. such an abundance that we've kind of been calling the tyranny of choice. There's so much of it that it becomes really difficult to discern what are important choices and what are sort of extraneous choices. You know, a lot of this is really very interesting. And clearly, you know, we are both feeling that there's a question mark. There's going to yeah. be a big question mark and we yeah. really won't know for a while. But there's so many questions to to be answered and so many things that I don't think we can observe right now, right. which is why it's going to take time. Yeah. Some of those things uh, could be how we might evolve in terms of our brain mm -hmm. um, further. So, mm -hmm. so you know, if, if we are not connecting with each other mm -hmm. in person as much, mm -hmm. there are certain sensory yes. mechanisms yes. that are not being used as much. That's right, so I agree. What will happen with that? Right, right, right. Will we become more dependent on right. uh, you know our our nearsightedness? Yeah, and in our evolution, does that fall off like fins? You know, like do you slowly lose the ability to adapt over generations to those things? I mean, there there are some big questions and and big concerns. You know, right. I think what I try to say though is like it's just not to. My hope is that we don't put a broad stroke on it that it's all bad. So that means the whole generation is doomed because of this and. I don't think that that's true, but I think that there are definitely question marks. I think you raise a good point. Well, p perhaps it's our perhaps it's our opposition to their adolescent quality. Yeah. In other words, as the adults, the older generation, we're looking at them and somehow feeling like, uh, uh, you know, it's Beatlemania again. Good right. Lord, as you said before, the telephone right. on the wall. What are you doing? Right. Right. Or, or the 60s, everybody was smoking pot, you know, the boomers were going to be a disaster because everybody was dropping acid and everybody was smoking pot and they're going to be horrible. And that, that generation took on its own identity and is now, you know, in the latter part of the years and some wonderful achievements from the boomer generations. The Xers, the same thing. We were kind of deemed as not caring, apathetic, grungy, whatever. Every generation coming up kind of gets this little bit of this knock. And then history over time, it seems like later it looks upon it in, in, a, in a broader context. Right. It's a, we have to wait and see. Yeah. Like at some point, I doubt we'll be known as the greatest generation. But, you know, it looks backwards a little bit more fondly than it does, you know, kind of in the current in the current tense, it seems. Right. Well, I think a, probably a new psychology is going to come out of it as well. I would agree. And that'll yeah. be very interesting to look Indeed. at, too. Yeah. So we have another reason to get together in about five years or Let's five minutes. It. Let's know. do it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. All right. Danny, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I really me. enjoyed Appreciate speaking it. with you today. You too. This is Nicholas Strauss. I've enjoyed having you with us today. If you'd like to participate some more, please visit us on the web at www.theparticipantobserver.com, where you'll find all things related to the Participant Observer. 
We'd love to hear from you because you are the participant observer. <laughs> <laughs>